So let me guess. Are you curious what Lady Gaga has been up to lately? <laughs> no? Oh. Well, I don't care. Roll it anyway. This state has a purple, purple heart. And I think I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that purple is gonna go blue. Spit it out already. I mean, geez, people aren't paying you 500 bucks a ticket for dead air. But Stefani Joanne Angelina Germanata, which apparently is her name, was talking about Texas during a performance in Dallas this week. I'm assuming those fans were cheering because they heard names of pretty colors that they like and not because they understand the political spectrum in any way. But this led me to a very depressing line of thinking. Who the hell cares what freaking Lady Gaga thinks about the state of our democracy? Do we, I mean, we wouldn't ask a bottle of bubbles if it thinks the electoral college uh, is good or bad, even if the empty air pockets are a good representation of Lady Gaga's head. We wouldn't ask for opinions on the Senate candidates from a walking representation of foreign tentacle porn, or maybe, you know, just bad sort of Star Wars cosplay. Uh, we certainly wouldn't want environmental advice from a literal meat locker. No, we wouldn't want that. I'm uh, getting salmonella. Just, <laughs> I mean, the meat dress thing was a little weird. And I'm getting some other itchy feelings too, so let's move on to the next one. Uh, everyone has a right to an opinion. Even people who want to pay millions of dollars to wear a cardboard box. I, I don't have any problem with that. But I also have the right to make fun of it. So, you Lady Gaga can go ahead and do your rah-rah Lady Gaga thing. Uh, and I will um, instead tell you that just, just don't come back and do it again soon, at least not here in Texas. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Use the promo code Stu to save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, wherever you are, like this video right now. Dan Andrus is going to join us in a little bit to defend podcasts against podcast conventions which apparently is the thing we need to do now. The official White House Twitter account has some fun with the personal information of its political opponents. Ha, ha, ha. But we start by doing the Mar-a-Lago frenzy. Yes, it's a frenzy. I can't believe it. I was watching the coverage today, and apparently the worst thing that has ever happened to the United States happened today. Doesn't feel like it to me. Seems like things are, you know, okay. I mean, we're getting close to the weekend. Can't they be all bad, can it? But today was the big day that the affidavit came out, and it was it was redacted, but not as heavily, actually, as I sort of imagined it would be. Here's, here's a little fan out for you. Look at this puppy. Here, you can see a couple of black lines here and there, but really not that much redacted. And uh, you got some information, I suppose, out of this thing. I, I spent most of my day after going through this thing myself, trying to suffer through the coverage from CNN. Now, you have a decision to make when you're trying to understand what's going on in the world. You get the basics, you try to learn what's actually going on first, and then to try to judge the media, you can go to Fox or you can go to CNN. Now, a lot of times, I will go kind of the opposite of the way I feel. Like, for example, if I feel like, yeah, this seems like the right is pretty much, the, the, the conservative side of the argument pretty clearly right on this one. I'll try to listen to CNN. If I think like maybe the left has a point on this or the mainstream media has a point, then I'll go to Fox because I kind of want to see, am I missing something from the conservative side I might, I might not normally uh, miss? 
Well, you know, this time I went to CNN and to hear, to, I, I can't even describe this process to you, listening to these hosts on CNN attempt to make this into the biggest thing you've ever ha- heard in your entire life. It was mind blowing. Let me get into some of the details of it, and we'll go through this as we go. This is uh, from the Trump raid affidavit. Quote, I believe uh, that sealing this document is necessary because the items and information to be seized are relevant to an ongoing investigation, and the FBI has not yet identified all potential criminal confederates, um, not, uh, nor located all evidence related to its investigation. Premature disclosure of the contents of this affidavit and related documents may have a significant and negative impact on the continuing investigation and may severely jeopardize its effectiveness by allowing criminal parties an opportunity to flee, destroy evidence, stored electronically and otherwise, change patterns of behavior, and notify criminal confederates. Now, we're talking about documents that Donald Trump was in the White House for. He saw all these documents while he was in the White House, had the knowledge of what they were, uh, and then brought them back to Mar-a-Lago. He had them there for 18 months. If he wanted to destroy them, if he wanted to move them, if he wanted to hide them, if he really, really was that concerned about this entire process, why wouldn't he get a storage locker that nobody knew about? Why? The guy's very rich. He's got like 100 homes. Why wouldn't he fly them to Scotland and put them at his, his resort there? Why wouldn't he put them in a bank vault somewhere? Uh, remember, we're all told he's dealing so closely with Russian banks. Why not do that? Why not do 100 different things other than leave it in the one place that everyone know he, knows he is all the time? It doesn't make any sense. Why? He wouldn't... The destroying or moving just doesn't hold up to any scrutiny whatsoever. He had just given them 15 boxes of stuff. And yes, I understand they wanted more, but there's no evidence and no reason to believe that he was about to hide or destroy them, especially when they had been there the whole time. A a preliminary triage of the uh, documents with classification markings revealed the following approximate numbers. 148 documents bearing classification markings, including 67 documents marked as confidential. So what does confidential mean in this case? Let me give you some legalese. Confidential refers to uh, national security information which requires protection and shall be applied only to such information as the unauthorized disclosure of which could reasonably be expected to cause identifiable damage to the national security. So that one's kind of on the low side, okay? Uh, confidential, it's, it's, you, know, you don't want to put it on Twitter. You don't want to truth social the thing out there, but it's not the highest level of confidential. Could have some noticeable damage, though, to, uh, to the uh, country if it fell into the wrong hands. Then 92 documents marked as secret and 25 documents marked as top secret. So what do those mean? Secret refers to the national security information uh, that requires a substantial degree of protection and shall be applied only to such information as the unauthorized disclosure of which could reasonably be expected to cause serious damage to the national security. So this is pretty high up there, top secret, as you might expect. If, of course, you saw the documentary starring Val Kilmer back from the mid-80s, you know what top secret is. Very, very crucial to our security. Top secret refers to that national security information which requires the highest degree of protection and shall be applied only to such information as the 
unauthorized disclosure of which could reasonably be expected to cause exceptionally grave damage to the national security. Um, talking about stuff like, uh, they give ex- some examples here, could include armed hostilities against the United States, its allies, disruption of foreign relations, vitally affecting the national security, intelligence sources and methods, and on and on and on and on. So this is like the highest level stuff we're talking about here in 25 pages, 25 documents uh, that were related to that. Um, based on the, they, they go on to finish this off, based on the foregoing facts and circumstances, I submit the probable cause exists to believe that evidence, contraband, fruits of crime, or other items illegally possessed in violation of U.S. code will be found at the premises, which we now know, of course, is Mar-a-Lago. Now, you may be surprised to hear that Donald Trump did not agree with that analysis. I know, I know, it's shocking to hear. Here's what he wrote on the truth socials. Affidavit heavily redacted. Nothing mentioned on nuclear. A total public relations subterfuge by the FBI and DOJ or on our or our close working relationship regarding document turnover. We gave them much. Judge Bruce Reinhardt should never have been allowed in the break in of my home. He recused himself two months ago from one of my cases based on his animosity and hatred of your favorite president. Me. <laughs> Uh, what changed? Why hasn't he recused himself on this case? Obama must be very proud of him right now. Now, of course, by the way, can we point out how dumb it is that they banned him from Twitter? He just literally now is just making millions of dollars on his tweets that everyone just tweets from tweet, uh, to Truth Social. It's done absolutely no, if it's done anything for him, it's made him less likely to have his material seen uh, to get him in trouble. But yet everything that he tweets gets to, or gets every, everything that he, what is it, Truths? I don't know. I don't, I'm not on the truth social, but every uh, everything that he truths gets over to Twitter. And anyway, it's it's so incredibly stupid. But none of that is really what's important here, is it? I mean, is it? Let's be honest about it here. Can we? Because I think a lot of people are trying to get into the back and forth legal stuff here. Were they justified to do this? Uh, is, is Donald Trump in trouble? Is he going to get charged with something? Blah 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 blah. All of that is a sideshow to what is really going on here, of course, which is, does Donald Trump get back into the White House? We all know that's the end of this conversation, right? Does he run for president? Does he get into the White House again? Is he going to be the next president of the United States? That's all anyone really cares about. The bottom line here is that Donald Trump saw all of these documents when he was in the White House. Okay, he knows what's on the documents already. It's not like he stole documents. He didn't go in and take documents he wasn't supposed to see and bring them to Mar-a-Lago. No one's even accusing him of that. What they are saying are documents that he could see, that he did see, that he was familiar with enough to want to put them in a box. Those documents he took home. So what is the political fallout from this? There's a bunch of places this can land. We don't know where it's going to land yet, but let's go through them and see what the most likely scenarios are here. Let's start at the very bottom, best case scenario for Donald Trump. Donald Trump did nothing wrong. Now you might say, wait a minute, they they have probable cause. They went into his home. They say he had all these documents. He obviously did do something wrong. Well, it's possible he did something wrong, but let's think about this for a second. In the actual uh, documents as you go through it, they describe how uh, these top secret documents were stored. And they were stored in in an area at Mar-a-Lago that they say was not secure. But they also point out that they were stuck in boxes between things like newspaper clippings and notes 
And some of them he had jotted notes on. Some of them were private letters. Most of the documents in these 12 boxes had nothing to do with classified material or top secret material. The overwhelming majority of it was just crap he was allowed to have. And so is it possible that Donald Trump, who doesn't strike me as the most organized person in the world, dumped a bunch of stuff into boxes, turned over 15 boxes of top secret material already and and, uh, classified and all the other distinctions, and then had some documents left over in these boxes that he wasn't necessarily even aware that he had, or if he did have them, did not mean any ill intent by having them. Is that possible? I think it's possible. Right. I think it's definitely possible that in between a bunch of newspaper clippings, he had a top secret document and uh, they wound up uh, pulling it out. Now, you might say, wait a minute, that's totally reckless if he did it that way. And that brings us to our next level. So that's level one. Trump did nothing wrong at all. Level two, Trump was guilty of a process crime. Now, this seems to be something that there is some standing for in these documents in that he wasn't supposed to have some of these documents. And they said they wanted them back. They were negotiating this. There was a disagreement between the two parties. Now, this does happen all the time between the archivists in the government and presidents as they leave. They argue often about what uh, is supposed to be kept with the government and what can go to a private museum, for example. Um, That is relatively common. It doesn't usually get to this place because I think, you know, Donald Trump is not playing ball as much with the feds as you might expect from an outgoing president. Usually there's a pretty cordial relationship there, but they do go back and forth and battle over these things. And there are disagreements. So is it possible that Donald Trump had documents in his uh, residence that he should not have held on to? Sure, that is possible. But let's think about the... Let's think about the political fallout of that for a second. Donald Trump, documents he's already seen, documents that he had full access to, documents that he could have classified, but let's say maybe he didn't say that he wanted to classify them before he left. He brought them home uh, because he didn't think he needed to say that or he didn't really think of it at the time and now is trying to retroactively apply declassification to it. Whatever Whatever scenario you want to come up with, the fact that he didn't go through the process correctly to get these documents that he could have had in his home, uh, he didn't do it properly, is just not something the American people are going to care about. Now, you will get people on the left, you'll get people on MSNBC saying it's the worst thing in the world. I heard dozens of them on CNN today saying just that. They said, well, this shows clearly, shows clearly that he should not have had these documents and he brought them home. And we don't have any evidence of him saying they were declassified, so we cannot assume that he declassified them, even if he didn't. We all know he could have done it, and if he didn't do it, then he could, may have violated the process of actually getting these uh, documents to him after he left the Oval Office. Is that possible? Let's be honest about it. I mean, think about it. January 6th happens. He's got a two-week period between January 6th and January 20th where he needs to clear out his office. He doesn't even go to the inauguration ceremony. He's basically sent out of town, never to be heard from again. Is it possible that he did not follow every single procedure? Sure, it's possible. Do the American people want to keep him out of the Oval Office because he didn't file documents correctly? Does anybody believe that's going to be impactful? I don't think it's going to be impactful at all, at all. In fact, this is the type of thing, if this is all the the only level it goes to, if this is where this ends up, then it's just a giant zilch, frankly. 
It's just a giant zilch. It's a bunch of cable news fodder for a couple of weeks. It'll be occasionally brought up in a long litany of lists that people believe that Trump did something wrong, and then it'll be gone. By the time the 2024 election comes around, this will not be a factor at all in any way if it stays here. Now, it could get worse than that, and let's go a little bit worse. Was Trump reckless with these documents? Was he reckless with our national secrets? That's kind of a big accusation to make. And is it true? It may be true. It's not impossible that it's not true. Donald Trump brought these documents home. If they were as top secret as some of them seem to be and as important as some of them seem to be, storing them in a closet at a private residence, at one point, at least, it seems like it wasn't even behind a locked door. This seems like not the sort of top secret uh, security that you'd picture from one of these, uh, from a top secret document. But let's back that up a little bit here and think about this for a second. They're acting as if Donald Trump left them on the front desk of Mar-a-Lago or, or left them at, like, I don't know, a computer re- repair shop so that anyone could access them. That is not what happened here. Try stealing a drink at Mar-a-Lago and tell me how that goes for you. Try getting on the golf course and golfing a couple of holes before someone pulls you off with security. See how easy that is. Let's not act as if Donald Trump was taking top secret documents, you know, folding them up and throwing them out the window of his car at the mall. These were behind. They were in his private residence. Do you think it's easy to get into Donald Trump's private residence? Yes, there are people that could get into Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago is a very large place. You don't just walk by his private residence and walk by these doors. Now, could there be someone who accessed them? Yes, it's possible. Should they be more secure if they're top secret? Sure, they should probably be more secure. But something on a piece of paper sitting in a private closet behind what eventually turned into a locked door at Mar-a-Lago is far more secure than anything stored online. No Russian agent can access his closet. At least it would be incredibly difficult to do so. It's not like these things were just strewn around. A, you know, he was using them as the kids' menus at the Mar-a-Lago when they'd go to a grilled cheese and trace a maze. If they turned it over, there's a top secret document. That's not what was happening here. Yes, they were. How would you think about the process if you wanted to try to access Donald Trump's personal closet right now? How would you do it? You wouldn't. It's not something that happens. And by the way, there's no evidence that anyone did. They had some of his aides walked into the building and walked out. They were worried about something happening, which is sensible for the archive uh, archivists to do. I can understand them being sensible, sensitive to this. And perhaps they should have been, of course, protected a little bit more. But like this, if it gets to this level where he was really reckless with this and they were really out there for months and months and months, top secret stuff that people other than like his close aides were going into, people who were just employees, you know, janitors walking in the closet, grabbing some uh, Mr. Clean and then picking up a couple of documents. If that's true and he was reckless and careless, that's bad. But that basically would rise politically to the area of Uh, a a partisan situation. I could see something like this rising to the level of the Hillary Clinton emails, right? Where 
the Hillary Clinton emails, the right says it's really, really bad. The left says it's not bad at all. Everyone already had their decision made up on which side they were on, and it, inf it inflames the base. You could see that happening here. You're seeing a little bit of that happening already on the left. I just don't think the American people, generally speaking, are going to be surprised and won over against Donald Trump. I was thinking about voting for Donald Trump, but gosh, he's just too reckless with those documents. I don't think that's going to turn many minds around at all. I just don't think it is. I don't think the Hillary Clinton change uh, thing changed many minds. The fact that it, changed, it was released eight days before the election or 10 days before the election may have had a big impact on that election, but that was more the timing than anything else. Donald Trump's got two years for people to forget about this. So even if he is completely reckless with classified material, I still don't think that justifies how they did this by not announcing it and all this other stuff and inflaming the situation and raiding his house. But okay, maybe it rises a little bit above the level that we're talking about. And the last level, and I'm running late already, Trump, this is what they need. This is what the left actually needs to be true. This, if this is going to do something to sink Donald Trump, this is what they need. They need Donald Trump to be using these documents for his own personal gain, whether it's money, whether it's power, whether it's a pot potential political uh, cudgel against one of his opponents later on. They need him to be doing with those documents what it certainly seems like the FBI is doing against him. Some sort of political vendetta. He's holding on to something that he shouldn't have because he's going to leak it against Joe Biden at the right time. And you need evidence of this, right? It needs to be something really, really clear. He's, he, you got him with a phone call to the Saudis where he's saying, hey, I've got nuclear secrets. If you put the Live Golf Tour event in my, my country clubs, you kind of need something like that. And I got news for you. You're not going to find it. If you think this is going to be the biggest issue in 2024, you'd need something like this. Instead, what you've done is galvanize Trump supporters and people who are Trump, eh, Trump skeptical. Trump, eh, I don't know, he's all right, but I kind of would like somebody else. You're galvanizing all those groups to vote for Donald Trump over any of his potential opponents, like, for example, Ron DeSantis in the primary. And what the Democrats seem to be calculating here is uh, either they can take him out because they really do think he's Satan incarnate, which is possible, or they, think they don't care whether it takes him out. It's just going to weaken him, but it will strengthen him in the primary. So he wins the primary and then they can beat him more easily. They've tried that game before and it didn't work out all that well for them in 2016. We'll see if it happens this time. My guess is it doesn't. And honestly, like you look at this stuff and we've had so much buildup and so much hype on these documents. You see them today and think about it in context of what we really care about here. I think it just fell flat on his face. When you're buying or selling a home, you need to make sure it has the most uh, secure document storage you could possibly imagine. You need a vault with lasers, like a Mission Impossible house, and you need to be able to make sure any of your sensitive documents are protected to, in case someone comes and raids your home. After you're done considering that and picking the right home, you need the best real estate agent in your area. And that's why you go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the best agent in your area, whether you're buying a home, whether you're selling a home, no matter what you need, go there. They'll hook you up with the best person in your area, give them a basic information, and they'll walk you through the process. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com.
Every once in a while, something incredibly terrifying happens in this country, and it really brings home the fact that our lives could be on the line at any moment. That's what happened to a bunch of people at a podcasting conference this week as Ben Shapiro showed up. He was there. And that that was the really scary thing. I want to bring in Dan Andros. He's the managing editor of FaithWire.com to help me attempt to understand why this was oh so scary. Dan, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Um, So Ben Shapiro is at a podcasting conference. We get uh, these incredible uh, tweets from the podcast movement. That is the name of the conference. They say that they are they take full responsibility for the harm done by the presence of Ben Shapiro. Did Ben Shapiro wield a knife? Did he shoot anyone at this event? What exactly happened? Well, this is what the media is not covering, Stu. (laughs) What happened was Ben Shapiro entered the door of this podcast expo. He went over menacingly to the Daily Wire booth there that they had at the podcast expo. Wow, that's a that's an incredible tale. I I can't believe you said that. I hope there weren't children listening because that that may have terrified them. They'll never they'll never be able to go to sleep again. I mean, legitimately, that's all that happened. He they had a table at this podcast conference. He went to the table, I guess, visited with his team, didn't speak, didn't do anything. Let me give you a couple of these tweets. There's no way around it. This is from the podcast movement. We agreed to sell the Daily Wire a first-time booth based on the company's large presence in podcasting. The weight of that decision is now painfully clear. Shapiro is a co-founder. A drop-in, however unlikely, should, not have, should have been considered a possibility. The pain caused by this one will always stick with us. We promise that sponsors will be more carefully considered going forward. And on and on and on and on. Like, what happened to free speech? What happened to discussion? You remember those monsters in um, The Force Awakens, the the ones that Han Solo was transporting around, and then if they get out of the door, they just went around and were eating everyone? Like, they were just insane? (laughs) Yeah. Rat cars, I think they were called? This is how they're describing it. Like, we unleashed this monster that went around and killed everyone at this conference. Like, what are they talking about? It's This is honestly, when you get inside the mind of a radical leftist, the ones we're seeing on college campuses now that, that need safe spaces, they cannot tolerate even the mere existence of people who think differently than them. These people used to be laughed at. They used to be just ignored. Okay. Whatever, you can have your beliefs, but that whatever, we're not going to play along with that. This is the consequence of when corporations and um, different outlets start treating that mindset seriously. Mm, It really is bizarre. Uh, Some of the comments that have been uh, noted, and this is the general tone of, I guess, somebody who agrees with the uh, upset nature of the podcast movement. They say... Um, I don't know why it's hard to understand that someone such as a trans person or anyone else in the LGBTQ plus, they did leave out the IA too, by the way. That's Horrible. not me doing that, that. That's them doing that. That was harm. They harmed. They, the harm there. Uh, they, anyone in the LGBTQ plus community might not feel safe around Shapiro since he and many conservatives are also are often speaking against them and attacking their very existence. I can see how that hap- could happen. Now, when you speak about someone, you don't make them unsafe. 
That's something that seems to be really difficult for people to understand. Even if Ben Shapiro were taking anti-trans stances, which, you know, obviously I don't think that he is, but if you would say that he is, that still wouldn't make you unsafe. Weapons make you unsafe. Violence makes you unsafe. Words right. might make your life a little less convenient, might maybe make it a little bit less enjoyable, might even stress you out a little bit, but it does not attack you. No, and again, it's this positioning now that radical, I think these gender ideologues have positioned that anything that essentially just disagrees with their way of life at all, any critique of it whatsoever, the response is you're a homophobe, you're a transphobe, you're a bigot. There's no actual dialogue here. And I, I just think this is a terrible recipe for a society to anytime someone levies a critique at you. I mean, I'm a Christian. There are plenty of uh, you know, critiques going on about Christianity. I mean, you, it's not exactly the cool thing right now in culture <laughs> to be the Christian and, you know, following biblical standards. I mean, you, you, you know, but I don't sit there and turn around and, and say that you're making me unsafe. It's, it's a ridiculous standard. And it's just a cheap way out of any meaningful discussion. It's also something I think is completely foreign to the other side of the aisle. I mean, I as you point out, Christianity is a great example of this. You've talked to atheists. You've dealt with atheists. You've debated atheists before. Um, when you walk into a room, if, an, if you were at a Christian conference and an atheist came in and started saying what they believed, which I don't even think Ben Shapiro is being accused of. He's not even saying he was there advocating oh, for conservatism. Um, no, he just showed up. He just showed up. But if, if that happened and, and, and if you were at a Christian conference and a, an atheist walked in and said, you know what, I don't think God is real. There would be a conversation. There would be people who would approach that person. There are people who might debate that person. Maybe some people in the room would be annoyed by their presence, but at no point would anyone think they were unsafe. That is, that's, a, that's a mental disorder. If you think you're unsafe because people disagree with you, you are mentally disturbed and you need help. Yeah, and you're, and you're taking on this victimhood mentality that everything must be an offense to me. And it's just, it's a terrible way to go about life. You know, uh, there's a great clip of, a, of an African-American woman yelling at these um, uh, white women protesters. And she's saying, stop making me the victim. I can handle myself. Stop making me the victim. And every single thing is out to get me and everything is against me. And I think it is a damaging mindset to start believing that the world's against you, that any critique of you is harm and that you're going to you know, fall apart completely. It makes people turn into victims when they don't have to be. Mm, yeah, I, well, that's that's something we just need to get over because it's not just turning into victims. It's this uh, raising of the profile. It's like making it into some sort of championship when you're the biggest victim like that right. is that's a psychosis in society. Yeah. You should want the opposite. Right. Like victimhood is bad. You don't want to be a victim. Now, if you happen to be a victim of something, we don't treat you poorly. We don't throw you to the side. Uh, you're not a piece of trash because you lost. Sometimes people go through terrible things and, and they are the victims of a crime or whatever. That doesn't make it bad, but it's something you try to avoid. At least it was in every single era of human history until like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> well, and now the standard of what it makes you a victim has become so absurd. I mean, it's it's clown world. Ben Shapiro existing mm. and walking into mm. somewhere makes you a victim. That's nonsense. It's ludicrous. And it should be laughed out of the building. Yeah, I, I'm scared with, you know, the, as that escalates, because it's it's turning 
it's basically saying these people don't have the right to exist. I mean, the claims, yeah. of, like, I've never heard Ben Shapiro say anything like that trans people or gay people should not exist. But they are basically saying he shouldn't exist. I mean, yeah. the people who are protesting him are saying that. That's something we need to get into. I, I want to go to all, uh, switch gears to another story. Um, you know, as you point out, sometimes people don't always agree with the Christian perspective. There's some debate occasionally around religion, famously here in global history. Um, but it, lately, it's been used as a cudgel by the left, and they've been trying to use this as a way to prove that their loan program is justified. Now, they've been telling me forever that I shouldn't be paying attention to what's in the Bible. Now, all of a sudden, they're experts on it. Right. I mean, we just spent the entire month of June talking about how hateful Christians are <laughs> or that, you know, miraculously somehow the Bible, which is clear on sexual sin, somehow isn't clear on it. It's ambiguous on it, but it's absolutely laser focused on college student loan debt and the government's <laughs> role in that. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. But that is the argument that's being put out there that oh, Christianity, it's just it's literally entirely built on debt forgiveness. And I'm starting to lean into Proverbs 26 a little more, Stu, which mm -hmm. is four and five, which is answer the fool according to his folly. These arguments are getting so ridiculous that they, they don't even really deserve an answer. I mean, Jesus paying our debts, you know, us being commanded to forgive people who sin against us and comparing that to um, the government forcing one group of people to pay for someone else's student loan that they took out to study gender roles. <laughs> Trying to equate those two things is, it's apples and rocks. I mean, it's not, apples and rocks isn't even a good comparison because they're two like material things. The, 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 the loan thing and Christianity and Jesus's paying for our debts and for our sins is, it's so beyond the pale, but now we're being, we're being forced to argue these blatantly self-evident things, or at least once used to be self-evident things, but yeah. apparently not anymore. Yeah, I mean, they're doing this thing where they're like, uh, you know, they're going through the Bible and they're pulling out certain, you know, as we forget our, give our, as we forgive our debtors, and they pull out these these quotes, and like, look, all of this stuff is obviously true in in its context, but it's like. There's something about being a good person, right? And this goes, I think, this is supported by biblical principles, where, you know, if you, it's also the other person, right? Like, if you are a, an individual and you believe you can, uh, you know, forgive a debt that someone else has to you, that would be a, a positive act, right? But that's you doing it. You're making the decision to, to help that person if you believe that is appropriate in that situation. And the same thing when you borrow money from someone, to accept that it's going to get wiped out because some other person's going to pay for it is that's not supported anywhere in the, in the Bible. It's not consistent with b biblical principles. Not that they actually care about this. I mean, we all understand they no, don't no, actually care about biblical principles, but it's not supported. No. No, they, they don't care about big biblical principles, obviously, because the Bible also says the wicked uh, borrow and don't pay back. Right. So uh, they don't want to quote that verse. Um, but but of course, it's just it's it's an exercise in futility and silliness and ridiculousness to entertain these progressives who are secular and, like you said, not serious about following Christianity or, or wanting Christian ethics to be um, sort of informing 
policy. They don't want that. No. They're just using this no. as they think it's a mic drop, but it really just makes them look dumb, to be honest. Now, Dan, you work at faithwire.com, also with CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network. Um, will you be leaving this job, though, now that we have un, uh, under, uncovered that Sam Harris yeah. has decided uh, we cannot see heaven because we can't see it with telescopes? I mean, are you, are you still going to be working there? Yeah. My boy, he rocked my faith there when <laughs> when I I never thought about that. My gosh, I can't see uh, heaven. They're just the, the the residents floating around in space with these massive telescopes we have, and and um, the the brilliant, who at least everyone says is brilliant, Sam Harris, is saying that. But yeah, I mean, it's just the ridiculous of that argument. I mean, from him too, because he's he's kind of pitched as like somebody who's like this deep thinker and to build a straw man like that and to misrepresent like what, no, but no Christians actually believe, no theologians actually believe that, you know, heaven's in space. Bible doesn't say that, you know, it's it's another realm, it's an angelic realm, um, but they don't want to hear that. Like you no. said, the, they're not interested in knowing what we actually believe. I, what I found fascinating about, I guess Sam Harris, you know, uh, can be really thoughtful on some things. And, you know, he's, yeah. he's famously an atheist and, um, you know, he's debated uh, Ben Shapiro. He was a, 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 somehow able to stay in the room with Ben Shapiro, despite, despite the fact that they disagree on things. But what's that? Go ahead. I was saying he didn't die. No, he didn't die. He, li- he lived through it somehow. Crazy. Um, but yeah. last one here, because, I, you know, I think what's interesting about Sam Harris, who's not anchored in faith, um, he also made a comment the other day that was controversial about how he was basically supported them not covering the Hunter Biden uh, laptop story because he believed it might hurt Hunter uh, Joe Biden's political uh, prospects. And he was like, you know, I'm not going to do that because I didn't want Joe Biden uh, to to uh, to lose. And it's like, well, when you're not anchored in something with real foundation, like that sort of decision probably sounds rational. Right. But like, that's not the right thing to do, which might be a reason why you might want to consider a higher power and something a little bit bigger than yourself. You're right. No moral standard. And you can walk yourself into things like the ends justify the means. This is the danger of it. I mean, materialist secularists have for a long time borrowed from the Judeo-Christian ethic to get their morals. Things we all know that God puts on our hearts that are true. Harming people is wrong. Hurting people is wrong. Lying is wrong. All these things that we kind of inherently know that are wrong. They've sort of borrowed that into their ethic, but they have no grounding. They have no real justification for it. And when the rubber meets the road, when there's something they really want, they come un- they, be- they can become untethered because it's completely consistent with their worldview where anything goes, where it, there really is no line of demarcation. There is no standard to look to. And so as Sam Harris, you can say, yeah, I don't care if there's babies in the they ba- find babies in the basement, I think he said something like that, bodies in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> um, we just can't have Trump in there. It's, it's, it's worth it. Well, you can get there as an atheist with no accounting, no accountability for your beliefs, but you're starting to see people say this stuff out loud now. I mean, and you're seeing it with the gender stuff and the, and the you know drag queens with kids. They are pushing the limits, I think, precisely because of what you said, they're realizing there there is no moral standard. Yeah, why why follow these standards? We don't really have anything to to anchor them in. Uh, Dan Andros, managing editor of FaithWire.com, also over at uh, CBN. The the pod, uh, podcast is a great one in the morning uh, as you're getting up. Uh, flip on Quick Start uh, from uh, Dan and uh, and Billy is there as well as Trey. It's a great uh, podcast if you haven't listened to it yet. Great way to start your morning. Dan Andros, thanks so much for coming on the program. 
Thank you. So I went super long with my monologue and then super long with Dan. So let me just tell you about NancyPelosiSucksPen.com. NancyPelosiSucksPens.com. Right now you can get them. Uh, they're available. They're in stock. They've gone in and out of stock over time. Uh, during the supply chain crisis, <laughs> they were really hard to come by. We've got them back in stock now. You can get those. They also have the mug, which is fantastic. This is it right here. You can't even see what it says really from the distance, but they're very, this, that little uh, slogan, Nancy Pelosi sucks, in her signature, written all over it. looks super classy. And the shirt. you got to have one of them. Either that or you think Nancy Pelosi is good. Do you think she's good or do you think she sucks? You make the call, America. NancyPelosiSucksPen.com. NancyPelosiSucksPen.com. It's time for the greatest segment of the week. Stew Eats America. Yes, it's here. And we've got a couple of brand new products for you. This is what we do. Find the best new junk food on the market and then bring it to you to give you a taste test whether you should go waste your time and buy it. Uh, we have a scale. We rate them on the old school grading scale, A plus to F. And we have our first product here today, which is a new cookie. It is icy cherry flavor cream filled cookies. Now they're kind of like Oreos basically. Um, but they are, uh, it looks like a vanilla cookie on the outside. Oh man, <laughs> that smells like a lot of cherry in there. Yeah, I don't know if this is gonna mean anything to anybody, but like if I were to take this bag and fill it with Luden's cough drops, the cherry ones, and go, that's exactly what it smells like. Okay, um, now I see, if you like the Slurpee type of thing, you might like these. Very, very gonna be a strong cherry taste. The uh, cookie is, has a little design. It says icy on it. Let's give it a shot. Vanilla, let's see, vanilla uh, cookies with cherry cream. Here we go. Hmm. Hmm. Nope. We got something going on inside. Mm hmm. There's something going on in here. We've got, yes, we do. We have the pop and fizz of a classic icy. I would say there's Pop Rocks in here, basically. Um, the cookie is interesting. It's almost like a shortbread taste. It doesn't taste like a vanilla cream cook, uh, cookie you'd expect. Hmm. Which is a strange choice, I gotta say. I think a sweeter vanilla might taste a little bit better. Um, it's not terrible. I, 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 this is not the type of thing I would sit down with and eat uh, a, a sleeve of, though. Like, one or two is fine. Um, I'm gonna give them... I'm going to give it a C minus. Not something I would choose to buy, but if you really like cherry stuff, like a cherry shortcake type of vibe, maybe you'd like it. Next up, we have Marshmallows Limited Edition Coke Zero. Now, you might say, who the hell is Marshmallow? He's like a DJ or something, like the Daft Punk of today, I guess. And what's interesting about this is you'd think if your name is Marshmallow, the soda would be marshmallow flavored, but that's not what they did at all. Instead, it is watermelon strawberry flavored and other natural flavors. So... Ah, let's give, give it a whirl here. Coca-Cola Zero Marshmallow, who is an artist, is limited edition, let's see. Hmm. It's, very, it's not a very strong flavor, I will say. It, it's not, it doesn't have like a, a, you don't taste it and think, oh wow, this is much different than regular Coke Zero. Hmm. That does not do much for me. Does not do much for me. 
Uh, kind of a disappointment, honestly. I was excited about this one just because I like I drink a lot of Coke Zero, and uh, I like different flavors. I'll give this. It's a little bit better than the C minus I gave the icy things. I'll give it a. I'll give it a straight C. It's not a great product. I don't think it's going to take off. Marshmallow should stick to uh, his marshmallowing uh, at his uh, DJ establishment gigs and such, whichever. Whichever, whatever those might be or where he, he may be this week. And I'm sure if you check his website, you can go hang out with him and tell him that you like this, but you'll probably be lying. The more I ponder this, it's just like a Coke Zero with less flavor in it. I, I just make it marshmallow flavored. I don't understand. It's to be a creamy, like a cream soda combo with Coke Zero. It'd be delicious. Instead, they went this weird direction. And I'm very, I'm, I'm lowering it to a C minus. That's right, final ruling.